You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Let's start the intro. What's up, everybody? This is Chris Wilde uh, coming back to you with uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall. I'm joined today with uh, Brian Hayden and with uh, JT Wilde. Joey, uh, how you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. And Joey? Can't complain. Everything's going pretty good today. Well, see, I can complain because uh, we're sitting here recording this show again. Uh, multiplayer versus... Uh, campaign because our live podcast unfortunately glitched somehow and unfortunately the show did not did not save fully through and what did save was a garbled mess so i do apologize to the listeners that were maybe checking out our first show we unfortunately did have some technical difficulties uh they will be handled uh this weekend and hopefully we'll be able to come to you live next week uh, but we figured we'd give a quick re-recording of the show, sit down, talk again about the subject matters that we can remember, that we can remember, so that way we can at least still have some broadcast brought to you guys. Um, Joey just had to take a minute to take a uh, phone call, so Brian, I'll start with you. You're a video game guy. Yes, sir. All right. And uh, you are a guy who owns both the PS4 and the Xbox One. You have stated before you hold no preference to it. But uh, what about gaming experience? What is your game experience? Are you an online guy? Are you a campaign guy? I'm more of a campaign guy. I can't stand multiplier too much. As I stated before, this might be the first time somebody's hearing it. (laughs) I, I don't particularly enjoy a uh, five-year-old kid telling me what he's going to do to my mother because it surprises me that he even knows that kind of language in the first place. Yeah, you're from the East Coast. You know these kids know how to curse. I, I learned to curse in the third grade. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I'm under, I'm under the same uh, aspect. I mean, I, I don't dislike multiplayer. Uh, there are things about it I dislike, like hackers who destroy the gaming experience because they're too busy cheating into the game. Uh, with auto auto aim bots and god modes and shit of that nature, and I hate the experience of players who just are just troll you. They they completely ruin any enjoyment, which is what a video game is supposed to be. It's supposed to be enjoyment, an escape from the the pressures and the the bullshit of the world. And they want to sit there and ruin that experience by. You know, taking their dick out, waggling it in their in your face for whatever reason over a video game. You know, so I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I prefer the offline experience with video games where I have dealings with uh, with computer controlled AI, you know, opponents, and if they're kicking my ass, it just means I need to get better. It's not cheating. And if they are kicking my ass or I have a low KD in the game or something of that nature, I'm not sitting there having them, you know, not even having their balls dropped yet telling me what kind of a fuck off I am. Joey, what about you? What kind of what kind of gaming type uh, type person are you? 
question like I need to ask as I'm sitting here watching you play Black Ops 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I love uh, playing multiplayer. Definitely, I'm a multi uh, multiplayer type person, but I do enjoy campaigns to certain games like Halo. Like Halo and Call of Duty, those are your those are your basically your favorite uh, games, aren't they? The Halo and Call of Duty series. Yeah, they're pretty much like my all time favorite games. Uh, Halo is really the reason why I got my first ever Xbox, and it just the multiplayer came later on. I de I never had online until I was about fourteen years old, and. That's really when I started experiencing multiplayer and finding a real love for it. Okay, how do you feel about the uh, the hackers and trolls on the online experience? Brian and I just touched base on it a couple minutes ago uh, about dealing with, you know, people who either trash talk the shit out of you or people who, you know, hack or mod the lobbies or whatever else to uh, basically make their characters unbeatable just... Uh, just so they can laugh as they're, you know, shooting you through walls on the opposite end of the map without even needing to aim. Uh, those people ruin the game, and they should go to hell. <laughs> um, I don't know why it makes them feel like they're better than somebody. Like, that's the only thing I can think of is it makes them feel like, oh, I'm better than you, because under normal under normal circumstances, they're not. Well, I mean, I kind of, I guess it kind of goes back to the older gaming experience. I don't know, Brian, if you remember the Game Genie. Yep, very fondly. Very see fondly because you would play a game, and granted, this is offline, but you would play a game, and I remember this even with PC, like playing the original Doom. You know, I remember you could type in the word God, and you would be in God mode, and you could type in like BFG and have unlimited ammo. You know, and stuff of that nature. Uh, and Game Genie kind of did the same thing. Now, granted, these are offline game experiences, but you liked knowing that you weren't going to die, you weren't going to run out of ammo, that you could turn around and be this immortal being and run through the campaign and, or the, the game and, you know, see how shit turns out. With the multiplayer experience, though, you're right. I don't know why they would think they're superior to somebody else by cheating. Um, all you're doing is ruining the game experience for everybody else and showing how little little to no skill you have. And, again, it's a video game. Is your life that fucking horrible that the only thing you have to make you feel good about yourself is bringing the misery of to others in something that's supposed to bring enjoyment and an escape from the rigors of life as it is? You pretty much did it on the head. You know, like you said, you know, when you play, when you're playing at home, that's different. It's you. It's offline. You're not hurting anybody. You know, you're you're just doing what you're doing to enjoy yourself. That's different than going in and trying to play a game with a cheat, just to put a superiority and to cater to your ego. What about you, Joe? How are you feeling on that aspect? What do you what do you think motivates these people to do that? Um, in all honesty, I think they do it just to be trolls. I think they do it just to get a good laugh out of it. It brings them entertainment to hack games and piss people off by hacking them and cheating with God mode, invisibility, or 
somehow bringing game <coughs> guns like Call of Duty wise, bringing guns into the game that were in previous Call of Duties that were never in the game, and somehow using them and stuff like that. Like it just makes it completely unfair. A aim mods, like yeah, aim mods, just unfair. Rapid fire mods, unfair. Just it's just all unfair. And like honestly, if you gotta use them, you're you are terrible at the game. You're not better than nobody. That just you're just proving to everybody that you are bad at the game, and that you have to use those just to get, just to be able to play the game. All right. Well, we I, I kind of uh, proposed this to the to the panel before. Uh, we're speaking about the cons of the uh, of the uh, multiplayer online, but let's go into a little bit more detail before we move on to the uh, be, before we move on to uh, offline campaigns and the pros and cons of it. Uh, what are the positives, in your opinion, of the of the online experience? Like, what does online offer you as a player that isn't offered through an offline campaign? I guess really, well, basically playing with people uh, across the world. Like when I had Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, I used to play a game called uh, Oh goodness. Ghost, I think it was Ghost Recon. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but you had me. I had another friend that played, you know, a couple, of, you know, down the street from me. But we were playing with people from all over, and it was awesome to be able to, you know, cooperatively. It was cool to be playing with people all over the country. To me, that's one of the best aspects of it. Okay, Joey. Um, I mean, yeah, I could see something like that with the whole interaction with people from all over the world like that that's a cool feature of it um i guess in a way some can say it brings the world closer together in a way like i guess you can see how other people are in other places by talking to them and stuff like that but in reality i think it's just a way to have fun with a bunch of people and you know show off your skills uh, what you can do in the game well i i, I can agree and and disagree at the same time with you on that um, I, my personal experience to it, uh, before I go into agreeing or disagreeing, um, uh, my personal experience with it, the, the pros to it is I like the competition. Um, I'm not the world's greatest, uh, multiplayer when it comes to like first person shooters. I'm average. Okay. You know, depending on the game, I could be really good or really terrible. Uh, but I like putting myself up against others and it's kind of skill versus skill, you know, uh, in that aspect, I do like that experience, but I agree that it kind of brings the world closer, but I also think that it kind of tears the world apart. And I've touched base on this before about people who consider this their actual social outlet, you know, uh, being online, playing a video game, talking to people through a headset is not human interaction. It's not human connection. And a lot of people have the same with like social medias and stuff of that nature have used it to replace actually having human connection and, and human uh, interactions with each other as you would do, like we talked about the other day at arcades, or like you would do just in normal life when you went out and you know rode your bike with your friends or, or have a barbecue if you're older and you invite your buddies over and a pool party and shit like that. You know, those were more social gatherings and, and brought more of the, of the human element, which I think is getting lost in today's society, to the multiplayer. 
Brian, you agree or disagree on that? Um, I, I definitely see your point in it. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean... It, it, you, I mean sa- you sound like you were going to keep going. That's why I'm, like, waiting for you to finish. Because <laughs> I'm kind of torn. Because, like, you know, I, I see your point, but I also... Like, like, both points are correct. Like, I don't disagree with either point. All right, well, we touched base on this earlier about, like, uh, the experiences of multiplayer, especially when it comes to trolling, particularly with little kids. We were discussing uh, on the live feed, unfortunately nobody got to hear it, uh, about possibly the possibility of how they could improve the experience whether they could put governors in it where, like, you're, you know, when you create your Xbox Live or your PSN account, you have to put in your birthday. And if these servers would actually read your birthday and put you in age-appropriate lobbies and age-appropriate groups, uh, you know, or, or something of that nature to, to maybe help try to fix the online experience. And interaction between people. What do you? What do you guys? What is your guys' takes on that? I got one on it. Yes, the pros of that. There, like, there is pros of that. But a cod I could think of it of it is think about uh, me and you growing up when pretty much like the only way we had contact with each other or able to talk to each other was on Xbox. And I was maybe like fourteen, fifteen at the time. Okay. So, age-appropriate lobbies, how would that work out if a father and son would want to play like us? The way we like to party up with each other and play video games. That's the way we like to like, spend time with each other and stuff like that. What he means by spending time with each other is playing Halo Reach where he whoops my ass my first time ever playing multiplayer with him in the Sword Base where the ending game was about 50 kills to 2. That's what he means by spending time together. <laughs> Don't let him fool you. No, I get your I get your point. You're absolutely right. Uh, that's something I hadn't considered in the original argument. Although I guess I would kind of go into well, there's always split screen if you're living together. But yeah, I mean, what if there's a cousin that lives out of state who's underage and you're older? You know, I definitely see your point and where you're coming from with that, Brian. What about you? What What do you think? Uh, if not what I suggest, that that's another way we can add the question, and Brian, we'll start with you, is uh, if not what I suggest would work, what do you think would work? Uh, I'm with you on, uh, like you said, about the age-appropriate stuff like that, but like say you and your son wanted to play and you were you're afraid of that issue, you could probably just set up your own private party and talk to each other. That would probably be the way to get around it. That he's got a point, but well, that would allow talking, but what we wouldn't be able to be in the same lobby. Oh yeah, you, with That's the right. with the Sorry. governors that we were talking about, the governor would be that somebody who is ten years old would not be in a lobby with a bunch of eighteen plus. You know what yeah, I mean? Good one. Could that would destroy that aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah. And that was something we. You know, I'm kind of in a sense. I'm kind of glad the live stream kind of failed because that was. Something we didn't touch topic on, so it kind of brought up a new a new aspect on that there. 
Um, what do you think would it would fix the experience? Uh, probably what I was saying earlier on the previous previous take, where uh, you have the lobbies, and before you go into it, you know it'll say, you know, this is predominantly going to be played by blah blah blah. You know, we don't want any crap talkers. And maybe that's one way to get around it, so people know going into a lobby, hey, these are guys that aren't in here to, you know, being yelled at by five-year-olds and stuff like that. Okay. Well, here's another one I'll bring up, uh, last topic on uh, multiplayer before we move on to non, non-multiplayer experience. Um, I'll bring up one. Uh, right now, the, 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 the big first-person shooter online game, uh, you can argue, is Black Ops 3. One of the biggest things that Black Ops 3 had introduced into the Call of Duty franchise was taking away skill-based combat. Skill-based matchmaking. Skill-based matchmaking. That, where I think they should have never taken it away. The game is so unbalanced because of that. Well, let me let me explain to the listeners what that is for people who may not play a whole lot of video games. Skill-based matchmaking was, if I'm an average player, then I'm going into a lobby, the game would actually look at my stats and see that I'm about average. I'm not the world's greatest player. And would put me against people who, who are in my skill range to give me a fighting chance. They took away that governor in the newest Call of Duty to where I'm taking on people who are world-class players where before they wouldn't be allowed in the same lobby as me because they would own you. And let's face it, no game is fun when you're just getting your ass completely kicked. You know, but at the, the I'm kind of I'm kind of uh ruining the the way of making this a question by doing that, but quite honestly, how do you feel about the uh the open to everybody uh matchmaking as opposed to Governor, uh, governing it back into skill-based play. I don't think that ever should have changed because I know me personally, like you said, I get frustrated. I mean, most people say, oh, it just means you have to get better. But for me, I would at least like to have a little bit of a fighting chance going into a game instead of just getting completely dominated. Well, I think I think the thing is, is like with the uh, – with the uh, – Skill-based matchmaking, you do the, the matchmaking would change as you improved. So you do have an opportunity with people who are as good or as bad as you to be able to improve. And then once you do, then obviously your skills go, uh, stats are going to go up. And as your skill stats go up, that's when you'll be going into different lobbies against stronger opponents. Um, the only thing is with the uh, the the non-governor to it is you're allowing these people who purposely want to go looking for the average or less than average player and in those players they want to spawn trap them or or just use them as fodder to pad their own kds or you know whatever stats you're working on it ruins the experience i mean how are you supposed to get better when as soon as you spawn into the game you're dead you have no chance to even really play the game. Right. But, I mean, even, even at that, they'd only be able to pad for so long before the game would promote them. 
Exactly. Well, with the governor, they would get promoted into better. But without the governor, they could be taking on those noobs and those those beginners and those less than average or average players as often as they want because there's no governor. There's nothing to turn around and say, you're too strong to be in this lobby. Right, that's what I was agreeing with you. I was like, there, there definitely should be one in place. Now, like I said, I'm an average, I'm an average player. Like when it comes to Call of Duty, uh, Joe here is a, a above average player. So I mean, let's hear your take on it. I mean, my or my take on it with the whole governor with the skill based matchmaking. Yeah, it would definitely make it way easier because even though I, I guess you can consider me a slightly above average player, um, it would definitely, sometimes without the skill-based matchmaking, it'll put people that are way out of my league, like that I'm out of their league, like these people, I could be an above player, but these people could be on like a pro player level and I'm getting in lobbies with them and I'm getting completely smacked all game and it just makes the game not enjoyable for me. But then, also, there's times where I can get into lobbies with people that have never played the game a day in their life, and I'm just completely smacking them all game. But, yeah, it's fun. But, still, it makes it fun, but it also takes the fun away because it'll make it too easy. But even with a skill-based matchmaking, there's there's a thing called reverse boosting that people do, and it's where they'll spawn their character into the game and just not play and let people kill them all game so their stats go down so they can play against people that aren't as good as them. Well, don't you think that could, couldn't be uh, regulated? Uh, like the servers and the, P- and the uh, programs that are set up to keep track of stats and keep track of players' uh, uh, usage of the game or, or lobbies or whatever else, they couldn't turn around and say, okay, that's what this guy's doing and give him a ban for doing that? Well, that's, like, with Black Ops 3, yeah, they got rid of the skill-based matchmaking, but they now put something into it. Uh, somebody tried to tell me it was always in the game, but I'd never noticed it before. But now, even if you spawn into the game and you're not playing, you will get a warning on your screen saying you are, you are about to get kicked for inactivity because you're in the game and not playing. Actually, I've, I've seen that myself because of uh, I'm one of those guys who will camp in Nuketown. I'll admit it. I'll camp and snipe in Nuketown, uh, one of the maps in the game. And uh, even though I'm sitting there and and aiming down sights and I'm pulling the trigger when people come into my line of fire, it still gives me that warning if my character's not actually moving. You know, so every once in a while I have to actually move my thumb thumbstick controllers, making my character move position to keep from being booted from the game for inactivity, even though I am still participating in the game. <laughs> but uh, actually, this this kind of brought on uh, another... I lost my train of thought for a minute here. Um, well, we'll come back to multiplayer because it, it had... This conversation had brought on a, a question I was going to ask. Unfortunately, I now had a brain fart and can't remember what it was. So we'll come back to it if I remember it. Um, excuse me. Uh, oh, I remember what it was. Uh, multiplayer, one of the biggest things multiplayer was supposed to be incorpor- incorporating and, and kind of showcasing was 
you have two teams, usually unless you're playing like free-for-all or something of like that, or, or, you know, a, uh, a group death match, you know, individual people playing against each other. Normally, most multiplayer games are supposed to be team-based. you got Team A versus Team B, or to use like Halo, uh, Red Team versus Blue Team. You know, yes. and really it's supposed to promote uh, teamwork between the players on said team to take out the other team. And my personal experience with multiplayer, it's very rare unless you party friends, it's very rare you ever get that experience just jumping into a lobby. Like, strangers that you're playing with are more interested in their own KDs, their own, you know, whatever, than actually working together as a team or or achieving uh, objectives in the game if you're playing an objective-style game like Domination or whatever the case may be. What do you guys think on that aspect? I mean, is that something... Are you the type of player that you would want to work as a team uh, with, with complete strangers? Or do you think it's right and okay for people to just turn around and be kind of selfish players, even in team-based games? Uh, I do like to work as a team, even if it's with people that I don't know, because it does get does get very frustrating. Like a game, like Left for Dead, where you all have to work as a team to get to the common goal, and you'll have some idiot that'll run off and get himself killed or knocked down in the game. And then he gets mad because nobody's coming to rescue him. And it's like, well, nobody can get near you, dude. You shouldn't have run off like a fool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it all depends on, like, I guess what kind of game you're playing. I mean, it's like, like I said, I'm real big, big on Call of Duty. I love teamwork. I have to have my teamwork. Uh, but it depends on what Call of Duty. Because, like, there was Call of Duty Ghost where I preferred to play free-for-all and just be on my own right but that was that was free-for-all where it was supposed to be every man for itself i'm talking about team-based team uh, game, like game types, game and, types stuff. and stuff yeah like a team death match or a domination or or a search and destroy which is supposed to be team a versus team b but people are playing for their individual outcome as opposed to the actual objective of the game yeah i don't think that's right like I don't care if I know you or not. That cooperation needs to be there. That teamwork needs to be there because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. There was another game, uh, that same game I was talking about earlier, Ghost Recon. I used to play with uh, three or four friends, and my one friend not being of sound mind, <laughs> we would tell them, we'd tell them, look, when we go into this map, you cannot go to the left because you will die. And don't you know, every time the map would come, you go to the left and get killed and then get mad. And we'd be like, well, we told you, dummy. <laughs> See, that, that, that's obviously one of the, the, to me, it's one of the cons of, of multiplayer. And not so, much, not so much when I'm, like, partied up with people, obviously. Like, you know, friends that I do have online. Or if, like, I'm playing with my son, I don't have to deal with it as much. But when I'm trying to play by myself, when I'm trying to grind out for myself with Call of Duty or with Halo or something of that nature, it is extremely frustrating 
to be playing a game type like domination where you're as a team supposed to capture and hold down three positions in the map and you go to take the first flag and you're watching all the other teammates just run around to jump in position to try to get as many kills as they can not even giving two shits about whether or not they take any flags whatsoever you know and at the end of it, your team loses, so you don't get the, the, the winning match bonus. And they want to give you shit because the team lost because you're the lowest KD or whatever. And it's like, well, you didn't protect me. You didn't help me. And you didn't play the fucking objective. How am I supposed to work with you when you didn't work with me at all? Yeah, I had that happen to me with one of the Call of Duty games. Uh, it was a, I forget which one, but you all played together against the computer so there was an objective, which was, you know, to, to get all the flags and whatnot. So I'm going back and forth, and I'm capturing flags, and uh, everybody else is just running around like a fool. By the time the match was over, I get a message from this guy who I don't even know, and all it says is, you suck. And I don't understand why, because I'm capturing the flag and getting, getting all these points like you're supposed to do. So the only thing I could think to do was to send him back a uh, reply to his to his message that said, "Yes, yeah, so does your mother." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, when it comes to like objective game types and stuff, don't get me wrong, my dad can tell you I love slaying. I love just going out and getting kills, but I know how to balance it between slaying the enemy team while capturing the objectives. And that's what I think you need to do. And in order to do things like that, you do need to like cooperate with people sometimes. In situations like, say, you're familiar with the game type Domination in Call of Duty, right? Yep. Yeah, how everybody knows B-Flag is the hardest to capture, especially if you're trying to capture it yourself. Yeah. When going for that kind of flag, and it's pretty much whatever team has control of that flag is winning the game. And in order to constantly keep that flag you're going to need more than just one person on it because once one person jumps on it, you have the entire team jumping on you. And I don't care how good you are. You're not slaying out an entire team by yourself. Well, I mean, if you have a whole entire team working together, you in an objective-based game like Domination, I mean, if you have a whole team working together, you can work out strategies to where everybody should be able to get what they want. And a perfect example I can give is, and and Joey, you re, you'll remember this is our experience with uh with the Style Clan in Modern Warfare Three. Yeah, we would have a full party together of of players, which is you know they were friends of ours, so obviously it worked, but it, it helps to prove my point. You know, you would go out and you would have the one or two guys that would be the run and gun, and they would tank everybody and and you know start slaying away, but you had the other two to three players that were running around and locking up the flags and protecting the flags. You know what I mean? So you got your one guys that are keeping the guys away from the flag while you have a couple other guys actually taking the flags and trying to hold them down or running across map to the other side to handle it. Yeah, they may not be getting as many kills as the slays, but they were, they were achieving the objective thanks to the slays doing the killing and protecting and keeping the guys off the the enemy guys off the flag. That was that was to me the definition of teamwork. You know, because again, I wasn't the world's greatest player in Modern Warfare Three. 
my if I were to pull up my can't my kill death on Modern Warfare Three, you would laugh your ass off at me. But I achieved so much being a team player because I may not have gotten all the kills, but ain't nobody touching me in flag captures. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I knew how to run around the map avoiding the combat and take those flags from behind you because you're too busy paying attention to Joey. You know, so I think I think team play in that aspect has its benefits as well. You know, depending on who wants, I guess, who wants to put down their ego or their KD long enough to be the team player and figure out who would be your better tanks and slayers and who would be better at run the map and, and capture, you know, or, or complete the objective, whatever the objective may be. Brian, would you agree with that? Absolutely. That's why I thought it was ludicrous that that guy got mad at me for capturing the flag. Like, geez, I'm sorry. I thought that was the objective. <laughs> All right. On that aspect, let's go ahead and uh, switch uh, to the other side of the uh, video game industry, the single-player campaign. This is uh, video games as they were always intended to be when they first came out which is you running through a story or levels or whatever the case may be, just you on yourself, the lone protagonist uh, against some predetermined uh, storyline created by the creators. Guys, first question. How is your feeling of first person, uh, not first person, I keep saying first person, single player uh, offline games and more importantly what was one game that absolutely stood out to you as a single player campaign game? Um, their campaign, it's always nice to have that especially like somebody like me who is prefers the multiplayer but it is nice to take a break from the multiplayer and the grinding and the competitiveness to just have some fun and enjoy the game by playing the campaign games like that i can relate that to is like halo i love halo's multiplayer but halo the first thing you'll always see me do when i get a new halo game is i go straight to the campaign because they they're just some they have like some of my favorite campaigns like i have the most fun playing them and like i referred to in our live stream that sadly got corrupt and everything. Pokemon. Pokemon was one of the first games. It's not all. It wasn't online, and you just played the storyline, and it was just fun sitting there playing it. And you'd sit there and play it with your friends and compare your Pokemon to each other and how many gym badges you have or how far you are in the game, how far you are completing your, how close you are to completing your Pokedex, stuff like that. It makes the games enjoyable and fun other than getting frustrated from the multiplayer whenever you have those days. All right, Brian? I prefer single-player uh, single campaigns over multiplayer, and uh, I think even if I was going to get into multiplayer, I think I would prefer going through the campaign first, because I think that'll familiarize with yourself with the game first. You don't walk in, and all of a sudden all these things are changed around. You're like, hey, this isn't how it's supposed to work. <laughs> All right, and uh, what's a what's a game, what what's a game that stands out to you as far as a single player campaign type game that you loved playing, or still uh, to this day love playing? 
Uh, probably Rainbow Six Vegas, Vegas 1 and 2. Those were very fun games, and I really enjoyed yeah, the campaign. The story was great. Would have, would have liked if the game was a little bit longer, but, you know, how many times have we said that before? Yeah. Well, I think that's why I was a RPG guy, Final Fantasy, Fallout, uh, Elder Scrolls, you know, uh, because of that exact that exact reason I, I, I preferred being offline uh, you know again I, I made the conversation earlier about you know it's my skill versus the computer AI as opposed to dealing with some asshole who's trolling or cheating you know uh, but it's also those were long games you had your main story you had your side quests you had miscellaneous quests you had other things to do in the game you know, before you wound up finishing the game, that by the end of it, you've gotten 99-plus game hours out of the game. You know, one of my biggest complaints with, like, Call of Duty, which I think has, like, great offline campaigns to them, the really stories, like, but they're, like, 10 hours. They're they're really short. Not even. Like, some of them not even. Like, Ghost? Ghost was probably maybe, maybe like, a six-hour campaign. I beat that in maybe, like, six hours. Yeah. Halo Halo 4 beat that in maybe like 7 8 hours. Like yeah, because they they're more concentrating on on creating their online multiplayer than they are worrying about the campaign and the reason of being is because the majority of the players are only interested in the on the multiplayer. There's a lot of players out there that'll tell you straight out they've never played any of the campaigns to games like that because they don't give a shit about it. All they care about is the getting getting home and playing online and getting as high level as they can before anybody else really starts playing it. You know, but I, I think I think that's a tragedy because I you know, Call of Duty especially started off as campaign only. You know, if you think back to the original Call of Duty, Call of Duty two, Call of Duty three before you got into the Modern Warfare series or the Black Ops series or anything else, they were offline games. Not exactly true. They did have an online, but online gaming wasn't really, well, multiplayer on consoles, I should say, wasn't really big at the time. Okay, fair enough. But they, they had long, strong uh, uh, campaigns to them where you did get many, many hours of gameplay out of it and many, many levels. And, of course, each level would become uh, more and more increasingly difficult because they figured as you're getting higher in, in each level, your skills should be improving with each level. So they made the uh, the AI become smarter or harder or take more bullets to be killed, you know, and... I think they just kind of swiped away with that in, in offline campaigns with a lot of games now because of the trend today of oh, who cares about the campaign and, and, and finishing, completing the game. I'm interested in becoming 10th prestige by the weekend. Guilty. Yeah, I know you're well, guilty. You don't even have to play the game now. You can just, you know, like with Halo, you can just drink Mountain Dew and prestige right up. Yeah. <laughs> right, just get unlimited amounts of fucking double XP. I mean, Mountain Dew also does that with Call of Duty now, and it makes it so much easier. But me, I don't normally uh, bother with that kind of shit. I'll just go with the XP rate that it's on, and I'll grind it. But we're on campaign. I'm not going to get into that just yet. Yeah, you know, so with, with campaigns, 
how do you feel about uh, offline campaigns that used to be split screen or or turn based, like the original Mario Brothers, for example? You know, where there was almost kind of a competition with each other, even though it was offline. I mean, was did that help improve the experience of an offline game, or did it hinder it? Uh, I, I think, it, I mean, personally, I, I think it's a good thing, because I can remember playing, you know, as a kid, playing games with my, you know, either my mom or my dad, and now if you got a game that doesn't have that option, unless you have two Xboxes or two PlayStation 4, you know, which is a force in the house, you can't really play, you know, can't really have that parent-son-daughter bonding moment anymore. Right. All right. Joey, what about you? Repeat that question because I didn't quite really understand what you're saying. With with, with with offline campaign type games, some of them will offer the option of being able to work with somebody side by side, be it split screen or like taking turns. Like the original Super Mario Brothers, uh, player one would play, and if they died, then player two would get a turn. You know, and, and stuff of that nature. How do you feel on those types of offline experiences? Uh, do you think they kind of help improve the experience of the offline game, or did it hinder your experience to just wanting to play the campaign? Um, the the kind of the turn based one, like I can see that <laughs> just not being really like enjoyable. Like I enjoyed it. Like I, I know what you mean with the super, old Super Marios. I used to play those with you know my mom and stuff like that growing up. That was fun and everything. But I mean, honestly, I prefer the the split screen, like the split screen, like that makes it enjoyable when you can even like sit next to one of your pals playing with your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, whatever. Um, it just made it fun because uh, you, you guys were just going in on the campaign together, just blowing through it, having fun. Like not like you could have a little competition with each other. Like, Oh, I took out like this many people. How many did you take out or something like that in the campaign or stuff like that? Like, I don't think it's going to ruin your experience. Well, I see, I, I think some games required it. I think some games were designed for, and I'm going to go old school here. Some people are going to remember what I'm talking about. Some people are going to be scratching their heads going, huh? But uh, I think games like Super Contra, or just Contra in general, were designed to have to be cooperation play. There's The game was hard enough as it was with two players, it was impossible by yourself. You needed that Konami code. You had to have the Konami code for 30 extra lives to have a chance. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. You're talking about <laughs> cheat codes or something? That was a cheat code for the uh, Konami's Contra, uh, 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 which gave you 30 lives instead of this sta standard two. And uh, you needed it because the game was arguably the hardest game in video game history. <laughs> Except for Battletoads. If you tried to play two-player, you basically couldn't play it. The game was unplayable. Well, I think it depends on the game because, I mean, there's other games where it's like, uh, I remember the original Ninja Turtles. Uh, not the arcade version, the original Ninja Turtles where you play, you got to play as all four turtles. But you only got to play as Michelangelo when Leonardo died. You know, and that was another one of those considered to be like impossible games 
especially level two where you're swimming around in the sewers with electrified seaweed and yes. you just you yes. couldn't control the characters enough to not hit that seaweed and not die you know you, you probably didn't know this either i didn't really know until earlier this year apparently you could switch turtles mid-game oh really <laughs> I, as a kid i had no clue and i was watching a video i don't know if you've heard of him or not but he's the uh, uh angry video game nerd i've heard of him and uh, he, he, he was doing one of his videos, and he switched turtles. I was like, "Hey, I didn't know you could do that." <laughs> but you know, it brings me back. You know, then uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles released an arcade game. You know, in in arcades and stuff of that nature, but it also came to home game systems, where you could have. You know, of course, you're talking about the NES, so you didn't have four players unless you had that little L-shaped thing. Um, but you could have two players playing at the same time being as, you know, any two of the turtles, you know, and it made the game experience, in my opinion, so much better to have somebody to play with and you could strategize against the, the computer and what they threw at you as far as like the foot minions and stuff of that nature. I think that's another perfect example of when teamwork play or co-op play in a in an offline campaign is is beneficial. Oh, absolutely! And you know, if you want to go a little more current, uh, I don't know if you ever played them, but uh, I played the Army of Two games. You really had to strategize. It was you and your buddy. I mean, you could play with a computer controlled if you wanted to, but you had you and your buddy, and you would have to really strategize to flank and everything. And you know, like if I'm playing, I would have to shoot at the bad guys so they would be focused on me. So whoever I'm playing with could go around and kill them without them being noticed. Well, see, I'm familiar with the Army of Two games, but unfortunately I never had anybody to play with. So I had to play with the, the computer controlling the second guy. It didn't improve my experience at all. To me, it was kind of like the same type of experience as uh, Resident Evil Type Zero. You know, where you had your character and then a computer-controlled character with you. And you could switch between the two characters. But when you switch between the two characters, you're controlling the one character. The computer's controlling the other. And the computer-controlled character just basically wasted your supplies, was always getting in the way. If you're trying to sneak, they're the one that's always got spotted. You know I mean, it, it really kind of ruined the experience. Because there was no real control to it. Now, maybe it would have been different if there was a co-op play. But that was my experience to it. So I, I you know, I really don't know. Um, but uh, we're winding down to the last ten minutes here. Uh, you had something you wanted to go into with multiplayer. But you were holding off on campaign. Oh, uh, that was the whole, like, you guys talking about the people that want to grind into, like, the prestiges and stuff like you guys brought something up about that i forget exactly how you guys worded it but the people who uh buy games without playing the campaign they're only interested in uh getting to the master prestige the fastest and unlocking all the shit oh yeah that's, that's using me. that's me on call of duty 100 percent. i mean mountain dew codes let's to... see. i mean like i said I, i'm guilty of being that person buy a call of, new call of duty first thing i'm doing is i'm not touching its campaign until i'm I'm top prestige on multiplayer, like like I just did. 
I'm, I'm not the highest because the way Black Ops 3 works is now that you reach Prestige Master, not only do you reach Prestige Master, but now you've got to go up another 1,000 levels. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But unfortunately, there's others that have. And but there is things like in that game that I grinded the shit out of, like the Dark Matter camo, which the only way to get it is to unlock the gold camo for every single weapon in the game. Yeah, I remember you bitching about having to do all the challenges for just the combat knife. Oh. Because <laughs> how the hell do you run around with a combat knife in a game where people can thrust like 30 feet up in the air and shit? Like, using guns and everything. Like, it, it, it made it hard, but I did it. But, yeah, it's like people, some people could do that like it's nothing. Me, it, I've been trying to get that shit since the day the game came out. Just got it the other day. <laughs> All right. But, I mean, so another thing I wanted to touch up on uh, multiplayer. I know we said we we're going to go more into it about in next week's cast about uh, the esports, the esports of multiplayer. Yes. Uh, for Pete, before he gets into it, for people next week, uh, Brian and and Joey and I, and we should be rejoined by uh, Mike Thorne. Uh, we had decided that the next ep- uh, next episode will deal with. Things that are out there that are considered sports and whether they should or should not be. Uh, what he's about to touch base on will be one of those subject matters, which is the uh, the now advent of multiplayer online games becoming competitive sports and and being treated as such not only in their own world competitions, but also now, as I've just been recently informed by Joey, uh, becoming part of the X Games, so yeah. Well, I'm not really going to touch base on it. Is it a sport or not? Because like how we said, that's going to be right. I'm just next week. Just letting but him know. I want to know your guys' opinion on competitive gaming, like the Halo Halo Championships and the Call of Duty Championships and stuff like that. Like, what do you guys think about that? Like, I think it's a pretty cool thing. Some people think that's a completely stupid thing and shouldn't exist. What do you guys think? Brian, I'll let you go first, because I know he's waiting for me to go off. Go ahead. I mean, I, I enjoy it. You know, like I was like telling you guys earlier, in private, I was saying that I was watching the Counter-Strike tournament going on, on a, which was featured on ESPN, which kind of surprised me that ESPN would have that. The only real problem I have with it is calling it a sport. Well, see, myself... And like I said, he's waiting for me to go off on it because I I am the person he's talking about that says it shouldn't even be in existence. I will amend that statement. It's not that I think that it shouldn't be in existence. I don't think these people should be making a living off of it. It's a video game. You're playing a video game and you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars per competition for a video game. To me, I have no problem with competitive play. I have no problem with there being uh, teams that compete and when they win to become the best in the world or whatever else. Sure, give them some sort of prize or something like that. But to me, it's almost like if you went to the card shop or the hobby shop and played Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh! You're not making $100,000 when you win the tournament. You'll win like 100 bucks and maybe a box of booster packs. I don't see it being 
such a skill-based thing that it should be rewarded in the aspect of like an athlete or especially in the aspect of these kids who are sitting here making more money than like a U.S. soldier who actually does the shit that they're sitting there pretending to do on video games. You know what I mean? Uh, to me, it's, it, it's kind of insulting that any, any average Joe Schmo that had no life and spent all day fucking sitting at home playing video games can make more money than somebody else who actually applied themselves in life. That's yeah, like my feeling. The guys on, on television playing poker and they're doing the exact same thing, making ridiculous amounts of money. You're absolutely right, and and uh, again, we could touch base on that uh, in next week's show, you know. But that that that's my viewing on it. I don't have a problem with there being a Call of Duty World Championship. I don't have a problem with there being a Halo World Championship. I have a problem with them treating it like it's the Olympics, and the reward of it being so high priced. When it's just a stupid video game with a bunch of nerds who really, if they weren't making a living on this, would probably still be living in their parents' basement. Yeah, I could I I, I could see where you're coming from that like that. Like what what was the prize what was the what was the prize winning for like the last Halo championship? I think it was a payout of two million dollars split between four players of the winning team. That's my point. So just from playing the video game, using your thumbs on a controller, these people just walked out with 500k a person. And that's for one tournament. Yeah, now granted it lasted a couple weeks or something like that, but that's one tournament. Now, you, now I hate comparing it to like uh, a sports athlete, but you think about like a baseball player. They play 182 games in a season. That's not even including playoffs or, or the World Series. You know, that is simply the regular season. They make less than that in all that time than a kid sitting there playing a video game. Yeah, and these competitions are usually, at least I know for Call of Duty, they're usually at least once a month or so. Right, so... If you think about it, a game's out for a year. They're going to have a competition on that game all year long. And if there's at least one competition a year, say the same team wins that competition every single or every single month that they have a competition, say, and maybe not as high as what the Halo one is, because Halo is, like, I don't care what people say, Halo is bigger than Call of Duty. Especially when it comes to the competitive, uh, competitive gaming side. They've been into the competitive gaming longer than Call of Duty has. Well, see, I'll agree, I'll agree with you that Halo, as far as competitive is concerned, I think as far as, like, the king of the first-person shooters has been and probably always will be, I'm not going to say Call of Duty as the franchise, but I will say the Modern Warfare trilogy. Yeah. But, like, even say, like, the payout for every competition is maybe 50000 100000 Split that between four people and <clears throat> one competition a month. Say one team wins that competition every single month. The same, like, the same team wins every single competition throughout that year. Even if you're splitting 100000 between four people, that's still 25000 in your pocket for just playing a video game. Exactly. Every competition. By the end of the year, what's that? Like, that's a lot of money. I, there's, there's people I watch on YouTube that are pro gamers. There's one guy, he fucking makes like 
he's got so much money. I mean, he just crashed a brand new Mercedes, went out and bought a fucking Tesla. Off of playing a video Off game. Off of playing a video game and being a YouTuber. I'm not hating. I mean, good for him. But that's just crazy for like people that actually go out there and bust their ass every day. Right. Well, let me let me let me be clear on this, just in case anybody is actually listening. That that is part of the pro gaming circuit. I'm not picking on you. Kudos to you. You found your niche and you're making money off of it. Kudos to you. Just don't expect me to sit there and think that it's justifiable for you to make that money doing the exact same thing I do on my leisure time. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. If I had the opportunity to do it, somebody gave me the opportunity, I'd jump on it. I would jump on it. Sadly, I was given that opportunity back when I was 14 years old with Halo Reach, and my dumb ass turned it down. But that's because I want to be known for doing something more than playing a video game. Which is why we do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what about you? How do you, how do you feel about these uh, World League competitions? Like I said, I enjoy them, but I think that the, uh, at least the payoffs need to be a little more realistic for what they're doing and what they're really not doing, and that's any kind of actual effort, in my opinion. That's exactly it. I mean, we, we talk about, we talk about, we live in a world right now where people who work at McDonald's think they deserve $15 an hour for screwing up your order. And dropping, you know, dropping out of high school and screwing up your order, but they deserve more money than some people that went to trade school. But yet we've got kids, teenagers, early 20-year-olds making, you know, millionaire money on playing a video game. Not designing them. I'm, you know, power to the designers. They deserve their money because they're creating the, 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 the thing that everybody is sitting here talking about right now. But the players, just because you put a team together and got a sponsorship from an energy drink, should not mean that you make more money than CEOs of some corporations. (laughs) I mean, like that kid he's talking about. That kid, you know, crashes a... uh, Brand new Mercedes. Crashes a Mercedes and and it's like, oh, oh, no, no, oh, well, no big deal. I'll buy a Tesla. Even Donald Trump has to think about that expenditure. You know what I mean? I wouldn't really use Trump as an example. All right, how about Bill Gates? Bill Gates even has to think about that expenditure. Think about it. When you really think about it, it's almost like these kids who are sitting there playing on an Xbox. Yes, I know this tournament has been sponsored by PS4, but these kids that are normally playing on Xbox, half of them are making more money in a tournament than Bill Gates makes in a year. I wouldn't put it that far. Their outcomes aren't that big yet. They're but getting it, there, it though. might get there at one point. You know, there's some of them that are making more money than the guy who created the shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> or at least his corporation. You know. Oh, fuck. Because we know Bill Gates ain't the one designing it. He just likes to stand up when it's presented and be like, look what I did. You know, but... uh that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're going to get go ahead and end this podcast right here. I want to thank uh, Brian and Joey for uh, hanging out with me and doing this for a second time. Uh, again, to our listeners, we will get this straightened out. I uh, should be talking to uh, the powers that be at WKKH. 
and we'll find out what ha what it glitched out and what had happened, so that way we can uh, make sure we come out live for you guys next week. Uh, next week topic, like I said, is it a sport? We'll be discussing, uh, you know, uh, some of the weird and and off color type sports that are out there. And I'm I'm making uh, parenthesis quotes with my fingers here when I say the word sport because it's going to be in debate on whether or not it should even be considered one. Um, until then, uh, Brian, you have any final thoughts? Yeah, that's about it. Just happy gaming, everyone. <laughs> All right. Yeah, have fun gaming. Try not to take it too serious. And after you watch this video, make sure to give us a like and a subscribe. There you go. Until then, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. Start the intro. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris Wild uh, coming back to you with uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall. I'm joined today with uh, Brian Hayden and with uh, JT Wild. Joey, uh, how you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Joey? Can't complain. Everything's going pretty good today. Well, see, I can complain because uh, we're sitting here recording this show again. Uh, multiplayer versus uh, campaign because...